Chapter 45 of Science in Short Chapters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Smith, New Orleans, Louisiana. Science in Short Chapters by W. Matthew Williams. The Air of Stove Heated Rooms. Whatever opinions may be formed of the merits of the exhibits at South Kensington, one result is unquestionable. The exhibition itself has done much in directing public attention to the very important subject of economizing fuel and the diminution of smoke. We sorely need some lessons. Our national progress in this direction has been simply contemptible so far as domestic fireplaces are concerned. To prove this, we need only turn back to the essays of Benjamin Thompson, Count of Rumford, published in London just 80 years ago, and find therein nearly all that the smoke abatement exhibition ought to teach us, both in theory and practice, lessons which all our progress since 1802 plus the best exhibits at South Kensington, we have yet to learn. This small progress in domestic heating is the more remarkable when contrasted with the great strides we have made in the construction and working of engineering and metallurgical furnaces, the most important of which is displayed in the Siemens Regenerative Furnace. A climax to this contrast is afforded by a speech made by Dr. Siemens himself, in which he defends our domestic barbarisms with all the conservative inconvincibility of a born and bred Englishman in spite of his German nationality. The speech to which I refer is reported in the Journal of the Society of Arts, December 9, 1881, and contains some curious fallacies probably due to its extemporaneous character. But as they have been quoted and adopted not only in political and literary journals, but also by a magazine of such high scientific standing as Nature, see editorial article January 5, 1882, page 219, they are likely to mislead many. Having already, in my History of Modern Invention, etc., and in other places, expressed my great respect for Dr. Siemens and his benefactions to British industry, the spirit in which the following plain-spoken criticism is made will not, I hope, be misunderstood either by the readers of knowledge or by Dr. Siemens himself. I may further add that I am animated by a deadly hatred of our barbarous practice of wasting precious coal by burning it in iron fire baskets, half buried in holes within brick walls, and under shafts that carry 80 or 90 percent of its heat to the clouds, that pollute the atmosphere of our towns and make all their architecture hideous that render scientific and efficient ventilation of our houses impossible, that promote rheumatism, neuralgia, chillblains, pulmonary diseases, 
bronchitis and all the other ills that flesh is heir to when roasted on one side and cold blasted on the other that i am so rabid on this subject that if dr siemens sir f bramwell and all others who defend this english abomination were giant windmills in full rotation i would emulate the valor of my chivalric predecessor whatever might be the personal consequences Dr. Seaman stated that the open fireplace communicates absolutely no heat to the air of the room, because air, being a perfectly transparent medium, the rays of heat pass clean through it. Here is an initial mistake. It is true that air which has been artificially deprived of all its aqueous vapor is thus completely permeable by heat rays, but such is far from being the case with the water it contains. This absorbs a notable amount even of bright solar rays and a far greater proportion of the heat rays from a comparatively obscure source, such as the red-hot coals and flame of a common fire. Tyndall has proved that 8 to 10 percent of all the heat radiating from such a source as a common fire is absorbed in passing through only 5 feet of air in its ordinary condition, the variation depending upon its degree of saturation with aqueous vapor. Starting with the erroneous assumption that the rays of heat pass clean through the air of the room, Dr. Siemens went on to say that the open fireplace gives heat only by heating the walls, ceiling, and furniture, and here is the great advantage of the open fire. And further, that if the air in the room were hotter than the walls, condensation would take place on them, and mildew and fermentation of various kinds would be engendered whereas if the air were cooler than the walls, the latter must be absolutely dry. Upon these assumptions, Dr. Siemens condemns steam pipes and stoves, hot air pipes, and all other methods of directly heating the air of apartments, and thereby making it warmer than were the walls, the ceiling, and furniture when the process of warming commenced. It is quite true that stoves, stovepipes, hot air pipes, steam pipes, etc. do this. They raise the temperature of the air directly by convection, that is, by warming the film of air in contact with their surfaces, which film, thus heated and expanded, rises towards the ceiling and, on its way, warms the air around it and then is followed by other similarly heated ascending films. When we make a hole in the wall and burn our coals within such cavity, this convection proceeds up the chimney in company with the smoke. But is Dr. Siemens right in saying that the air of a room raised by convection above its original temperature and above that of the walls deposits any of its moisture on these walls i have no hesitation in saying very positively that he is clearly and demonstrably wrong that no such condensation can possibly take place under the circumstances
Suppose for illustration's sake that we start with a room of which the air and walls are at the freezing point, 32 degrees Fahrenheit, before artificial heating. Any other temperature will do. And to give Dr. Siemens every advantage, we will further suppose that the air is fully saturated with aqueous vapor, that is, just in the condition at which some of its water might be condensed. Such condensation, however, can only take place by cooling the air below 32 degrees, and unless the walls or ceiling or furniture are capable of doing this, they cannot receive any moisture due to such condensation, or, in other words, they must fall below 32 degrees in order to obtain it by cooling the film in contact with them. Of course, Dr. Siemens will not assert that the stoves or steam pipes, enclosing the steam, of course, or the hot air or hot water pipes will lower the absolute temperature of the walls by heating the air in the room. But if the air is heated more rapidly than are the walls, etc., the relative temperature of these will be lower. Will condensation of moisture then follow, as Dr. Siemens affirms? Let us suppose that the air of the room is raised from 30 degrees to 50 degrees by convection purely. Reference to tables based on the researches of Renu shows that at 32 degrees, the quantity of vapor required to saturate the air is sufficient to support a column of 0.182 inch of mercury, while at 50 degrees it amounts to 0.361, or nearly double. Thus the air, instead of being in a condition of giving away its moisture to the walls, has become thirsty, or in a condition to take moisture away from them if they are at all damp. This is the case whether the walls remain at 32 degrees or are raised to any higher temperature short of that of the air. Thus the action of close stoves and of hot surfaces or pipes of any kind is exactly the opposite of that attributed to them by Dr. Siemens. They dry the air, they dry the walls, they dry the ceiling, they dry the furniture and everything else in the house. In our climate, especially in the infamous jerry-built houses of suburban London, this is a great advantage. Dr. Siemens states his American experience and denounces such heating by convection because the close stoves there made him uncomfortable. This was due to the fact that the winter atmosphere of the United States is very dry, even when at zero. But air, when raised from zero degrees to 60 degrees, acquires about 12 times its original capacity for water. The air thus simply heated is desiccated, and it desiccates everything in contact with it, especially the human body. The lank and shriveled aspect of the typical Yankee is, I believe, due to this. He is a desiccated Englishman, and we should all grow like him if our climate were as dry as his. Footnote. 
In each of my three visits to America, I lost about 30 pounds in weight, which I recovered within a few months of my return to the home country of English-speaking nations. Richard A. Proctor End of footnote the great fires that devastate the cities of the United States appear to me to be due to this general desiccation of all building materials, rendering them readily inflammable and the flames difficult of extinction. When an undesiccated Englishman or a German endowed with a wholesome John Bull rotundity is exposed to this super-dried air, he is subjected to an amount of bodily evaporation that must be perceptible and unpleasant. The disagreeable sensation experienced by Dr. Siemens in the stove-heated railway cars, etc., were probably due to this. An English house, enveloped in a foggy atmosphere and encased in damp surroundings, especially requires stove heating, and the most inveterate worshippers of our national domestic fetish, the open grate, invariably prefer a stove or hot pipe heated room when they are unconscious of the source of heat and their prejudice hoodwinked. I have observed this continually and have often been amused at the inconsistency thus displayed. For example, one evening I had a warm contest with a lady who repeated the usual praises of a cheerful blaze, etc., etc. On calling afterwards on a bitter snowy morning, I found her and her daughters sitting at work in the billiard room and asked them why. Because it is so warm and comfortable. This room was heated by an eight-inch steam pipe running around and under the table to prevent the undue cooling of the India rubber cushions, and thus the room was warmed from the middle and equally and moderately throughout. The large reception room with blazing fire was scorching on one side and freezing on the other at that time in the morning. The permeability of ill-constructed iron stoves to poisonous carbonic oxide, which riddles through red-hot iron, is a real evil, but easily obviated by proper lining, the frizzling of particles of organic matter of which we hear so much is, if it really does occur, highly advantageous seeing that it must destroy organic poison germs. Under some conditions, the warm air of a room does deposit moisture on its cooler walls. This happens in churches, concert rooms, etc., when they are but occasionally used in winter time and mainly warmed by animal heat, by congregational emanations of breath vapor and perspiration, that is, with warm air supersaturated with vapor. Also, when we have a sudden change from dry, frosty weather to warm and humid then our walls may be streaming with condensed water. Such cases were probably in the mind of Dr. Siemens when he spoke. 
but they are quite different from stove heating or pipe heating, which increase the vapor capacity of the heated air without supplying the demand it creates. End of chapter 45